So? Ja. Okay. Ramchal, the first parak of Derech Hashem, speaks about what's called the unity of God. <clears throat> that God is really one. If you look in the entire Torah, most of the times that it refers to God, it talks about what He does, that God is a creator, He's a judge, uh, talks about His attributes, He's compassionate and long-suffering and merciful, whatever and so on. But when you take a look and you ask yourself, well, does it, where in the turn does it talk about who God is? And that's really what we want to discover. Who is God really? How do we understand actually the greatest being of all? That is the Rebbeinu How do we understand him? Who is he? Can we understand his nature? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas that one can really say about the Bhagavad <clears throat> There is a place in the Torah where they talk about the Bhagavad Where is that? It says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Nukeinu Shem Echot. Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So there is a statement, the concept of oneness, that the Bhagavad is one. And that's really a statement about who he is. That he's one, not two, or three. So therefore, <clears throat> it, it it's, would be very profitable to think about the concept of oneness. And the truth is that the idea of oneness yields a great deal of information. It's very crowded, so you got to... What did you do? Stop with the food. When the food stops. I, I think this is like, you know, the, maybe the video's online. The Al-Qaeda guys are scaring everybody out of it. In any case. <coughs> so there is a concept that the version is one. And what, what I'm going to try to do show you that from the standpoint of that idea itself, the fact that God is one, there's a tremendous amount of information that one can understand. And this is a great introduction really to the first parak where the Ramchal talks about which means the existence of God. When we say that the Bhagavad is one, Obviously, that means he's one and not two. But I had once, as we will see, I had once mentioned that the Bansham is one and he's not two is really a relative statement. 
Because the concept of quantity does not apply to God. We'll, we'll understand that. We'll see what that means. So we say that God is one, but the concept of quantity doesn't really apply to him. So that's an important idea. Even though we say he's one, which means that he's one, not two, that assumes that the concept of quantity applies to him, but it really doesn't. But let's take a look at the ideas called oneness, that the Bunshin is one. There's an interesting question that one can ask. When we say that the Bunshin is one, does that mean that he is one, but there could be two? Or there cannot be two? There's something within the laws of existence that says that a being with the nature of God is impossible to be more than one. It's an interesting question. In other words, is God one and it just happens not to be two? So in a certain sense, we could say that the Bunshin is lucky, right? Or is it much more profound than that? That we say that Bunshin is one, but there cannot be more than one of that type of being. Everything that we describe, when we say there's something that's one of a kind, right? That's called relative oneness. For instance, there are many things in the world that are only one of a kind. There's a certain stamp that's only one of a kind, coins, furniture. I remember I once was in Versailles, and in Versailles, which is a magnificent palace of Louis XIV in France, and there was this incredible desk, and they said that it took 36 years to make. I mean, obviously, you can imagine what kind of desk it was, you know. And uh, wondering who ordered the desk, also a pretty unique person. The what? Whoever ordered the desk, also a pretty unique one of a kind. Yeah, well, well, it was obviously Louis the Fourteenth, but uh, it was one of a kind in the world, you know. Does that mean if the guy spent another 36 years, he couldn't have made a second? Of course, he could have made a second. He just didn't. He just didn't do it. So that's called relative oneness. Relatively speaking, it's the only one. But it does not what's called preclude the possibility that there could have been two. When we, that's called relative oneness. When we say that devotion is one, it's different than relative. It's called absolute oneness. It means that a being of the nature of God, whatever that nature is, cannot be more than one in existence. There is something that makes it impossible for there to be two. So therefore, the first concept of oneness automatically deviates from the idea of what's oneness. That the Bonsham cannot be two. It's not because he's one and there just happens to be that there is no other. So he doesn't share his divinity with anybody else. No. Existence does not allow for the presence of another being like God besides God. But now what that means, we'll see. But right now we need to understand the concept of absolute oneness. But it's a legal question. He created existence. He provides existence. Was meant in existence. Oh, that's, wait, wait, wait. That's, we'll get to that. Okay. You know, that. We'll get to that. All I'm saying right now is when it says, that God is one, it means that he's absolutely one. That he cannot be two. There cannot be another being like God with this, that type of a nature. So that's an important idea. So he's one, absolutely one. So that's the first concept of oneness. 
which is an astounding concept because we don't really know what that means. We don't know, well, why can't there be two? I can understand if there isn't two, why can't there be two? Strange. But in any case, that's the concept of God. The concept of oneness. So we say that God is one, externally one. There's no other being like him that exists. Nor can there be any other being like him that has existence. Period. That's absolute oneness. So that's the beginning of our examination of the concept of oneness. <clears throat> Let's take a look. Let's go further. The truth is, when we say that God is one, it has also another meaning. Not only is God externally one, which means that he cannot be duplicated at all, or there is no other being like him, but he is also internally one. What does internally one mean? We know that the world is complex. Everything you see is made up of parts. Everything. That's called complexity. Even an atom, which is, we'd say, the smallest thing, is also made up of parts. What are the parts? You have electrons, you have protons, neutrons, quarks, and so on. Even something as small as an atom also has many parts. So there is nothing that's truly one. You know, even one, everything that's one is really a composite of many different attributes. But the Rabbanisham is different. The Rabbanisham is one truly. He has no parts. It's called the indivisible. Even conceptually, not only you cannot divide God physically into two parts, you know, like with a guy, you can cut him into half, you cut him in half. You cannot do that to Barsham. In other words, the Barsham is indivisible. In other words, he is one thing truly. There is nothing, there's no, God is not a composite of anything. He is indivisible. Now again, we don't understand what that means. Because everything we encounter in the Bria is what? Is components, even no matter how small they are. But by the Bansham, he is one internally, right? Which means that there's only one thing, and that's God. There are no parts, and therefore he is indivisible. You can't, so to speak, dissect God and come away with parts. Not only physically, but even conceptually. We'll understand what that means. So that's the second concept of oneness. That God is internally one. It's a very important concept. Now, but that has more on this, uh, repercussions of what the concept of internally one. By the way, in Hebrew it's called poshut. God is poshut, simple. Simple simply means no parts, as opposed to complex. You know, God is a simple being. <clears throat> there are no components. To him. So therefore, the Barsham is indivisible. No parts. Again, we have no idea what that is. There is no such thing in this universe that's truly one. Everything has parts. For instance, a human being. A human being has over 100 trillion cells. 
and the cells itself has millions of parts. And those parts have millions of parts. It's just that they get smaller and smaller, that's all. But there's always parts that you can dissect. The Bonisham you can't dissect. He is a being that is indivisible, truly the concept of one. Now, not only that, but not only is Bonisham one in terms of who he is, but even in terms of the way he acts. What does that mean? For instance, if, a, if, I, if I say, uh, I know something, right? There are three things in that. I, there's the me, then I know, there's the act of knowing, and then there's that which I know, something. Right? In grammar, you have the subject and the predicate. You know? You have the subject means I, know, which is the action, Knowing is an action that the brain does, right? And then you have knowledge. What do I know? So in any given person, there are three things, any activity. If I remember something, there's I, right? Then there's the act of remembering, and then there's the memory itself, correct? There's always three things. That's the way we encounter everything. But when it comes to the Bonashram, there's no such thing. When we say that God knows something, God, the subject, is identical with the knowledge itself, which is identical to the act of knowing itself. Interesting. It's not that God knows something. God is the knowing, and He's the something that He knows. It's one thing, it's identical. It's called an identicality. When we speak about it, we speak about it in three different ways, right? But when you talk about the true achtus of the Rebbe and this is part of the concept of being posh, it's simple. And when we say that God is a simple being, it <clears throat> means not only that there's no parts, not only therefore is God indivisible, but even that which God does is indivisible from Him. It's Him. Now, we do not understand what that means. We can hear it, but we cannot conceive of what that really means. The Rambam says that in the, uh, in the, in the Yad, We can hear it, you know, but we don't know what that means. We've never encountered a being that you have the being and he is identical with the acts that he does and he's identical with the aftermath of the act, the knowledge. We don't know what that, we have no idea even what that is, how you pull that off, <clears throat> you see. But this is all part of the concept called poshut, simple. It's all part of the concept called echod one. So, what have we reached so far? We've reached certain <coughs> interesting conclusions. One, <clears throat> the Bosham is an echod, he's one. What does that mean? That there is no other God, not because there isn't, it just doesn't have to be another God. It's impossible to be another God with the nature of the Rebbe Existence does not allow two beings like God, God and another being. That's the concept of Echot, oneness. Isn't oneness a creative concept? You're way ahead. you got to hold on. Right now, this is what it says. Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echot. God is one. And I'm explaining now that the concept of the term one, what does it mean? 
So the first idea, Echod, means one, right? That there is no other being with God or like God. Now, like I explained that, relatively speaking, we would say, well, it's true that there is only one God, but why can't there be a second? And I said that there cannot be. That's called absolute oneness. That God is a being that cannot be duplicated at all. So that's called absolute oneness. Second idea, I said that Echot, Yochid, one is one, but he's a Yochid, singular. It's what's called a singularity, right? That means he's poshut, he's simple. There is no complexity, which means that the Vashon, there are no parts. Everything we encounter as parts, he has no parts. But Toiv, I mean, he's Echad and he's Toiv also. No. Is Toiv another aspect? No. That's what I'm trying to say. It's the same way. The second concept of Poshitz is what? Not only is he has no parts and he's indivisible, but he's identical with his attributes. He is the attribute. We don't understand what that means. No, but there are two. He's one and he's Toiv. So there are but two things already. No. Toiv and him are identical. Again, yeah, yeah, so yeah, jump down. We don't understand how. The Ramam says that. We don't understand what that means. You know, God, I said, God remembers something. Well, God is identical with the act of remembering, with the memory itself. It's one thing called God. There is no thing that God has a memory. The memory and the act of memorizing is God. We don't understand how that could be. We don't understand what it means. We can hear it, but we do not understand what that means. At the end of the show, we'll understand. <laughs> When we say that God is good, it's not that God has an attribute called good. God is identical with his attributes. Again, we don't understand what that means. But that's the concept of Yochid, singular. Means all in its essence? What was that? It's all in his essence? It's, it, no, it's not. Does Hashem have an essence? No, it's more than this. We have an essence too. But we have several ideas in our essence. What's the essence of a man? A rational animal. We are animal in the sense that we have a body. We are rational, we could think. You know, we are sentient, means we can sense. And we're rational, means we have the capacity to think. You know? But that's man. The definition of man is a, is a rational animal. Because we have everything the animals have. They have a body, they're able to move, and so on. But they're not rational. They don't think. You know? But man is a rational animal. That's the definition. So therefore you have two essences. You have the, you know, part of the essence has, has several features. One is that he's an animal. Second, he's rational. But they're both part of his essence. With God, it's not that they're both part of his essence. They are him. There's only thing, one thing called God... And everything is identical to him. Again, we don't understand what that means or how. So if I say God is good, it's not that God is good. God and goodness are identical. Again, that's Pashat. No, But we do not understand how such a Pashat, how such a Pashtas can, can manifest. We don't understand that. We've never seen that before. So far, so good? If I say he's good, that means it's part of his essence. I mean, it's one. Him and good is one. No. Part of his essence simply means that's what defines him. What I'm saying is much more than that. Is that anything you know about his essence is identical to him. It's a unity, an absolute unity. Like I showed you. Man is a rational animal. There are two parts of his essence. He's animal and he's rational. 
It's two things. Are they not? But with God, if I say, you know, when we talk about God, we talk about God that He is the thing, the attribute itself. It's not that God acts. God is the action. We don't understand what that means. Again, the Ramam mentions this. He says, you know, we can hear it, but we have no understanding of what that means. That's the concept of... We've never encountered it, certainly not. That's the concept of poshut. Pashto, simplicity. Now, you may say, wait a minute. I can show you something that God is a composite of at least two things. Okay? What are they? Wait. Uh, let's take a look at this table. <coughs> this table has an essence. Right? It has many, many attributes. It has size, a shape, it has material, it has density. There's a lot of different parts going to this table. You know what I'm saying? So therefore the table clearly is a composite, right? But there's something else that this table has. That's all part of its essence. Now, but this table has something else. Besides the fact that this table has an essence, what's an essence? Those are attributes which make a thing what it is. If you removed any of it, it would, dis- it would cease to be that, be something else, you see. So therefore, everything has an essence. However, besides essence, everything has something else. It's called, the quality called existence, to be. It is. We don't know what that is. We don't know what existence is, really. Uh, so we could say that this table has minimally two different things. It has an essence of whatever that is. But also that essence has existence. So there you are, two things. Why can't we say, okay, God is one, fine. I don't understand what that means, but he's a simple being, fine. But even as a simple being, he has existence, does he not? He is, so therefore... Whatever the existence is, whatever the quality of existence is, it's a second thing that he has. For instance, uh, we can dream of th- we can think of things that have no real existence. A winged horse, right? It can exist in my mind. It's a mental, a mental image, a representation, right? But it has no existence. It's missing the quality of existence. You see. So therefore. God, whatever he is, simple, but he has the quality called existence, he is, right? So therefore, right now we see that there are two things. There's the essence of God, even if it's simple, and the fact that he is, he exists. You could say they're identical to him, exactly the same way you said attributes. Well, what would that mean? What would that mean? What, what you're proposing, which I'm going to say, is that we have to say the same thing. That God doesn't have existence. In fact, I'll throw it out. Who says that God has existence? Who, who feels that God has existence? Yes or no? He doesn't. God, God exists. He exists. He doesn't have existence. Well, he created existence and, within, and, and, and he took this as, a, as an attribute. You said it a few weeks ago that his existence. <laughs> I know, you see, you guys, I, I had spoken. Let me put it this way. God doesn't have it. 
He is it. Oh. You see, it's the same concept of Pashtus. And it's all part of that God, what? It's all part of effort. So God created It's all part of effort. You know what? what? Wait, 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 wait. Forget about that. Let's just go simple. The existence of God is identical to God. Same thing. Just like God is the act of knowing and the knowledge itself as one, without, it's, and we don't understand how that works, uh, God doesn't have existence. He is it. Therefore, God and existence are identical. That's a very, very important and profound concept. That God doesn't have existence. Existence and Him are identical. I thought it was a creation of God, existence. Okay. Now, that idea answers many questions. Same about essence, right? Who? Same about essence. The essence of God exactly is same. existence. Ah, so it's exactly the same, basically. Same thing. The essence of God is existence per se. Now, the problem we have is that we've never seen. Have you ever seen existence by itself without an object that has it? No. We've never seen existence in and of itself. We only, how do we know existence exists? Because we see things that have it, right? We have existence. That's how we know there's such a quality called existence, right? But you, if you took existence out of something, what would happen to the thing? It would instantly cease to exist. It would disappear, right? But so then what would you look at? We have never seen existence in and of itself without an object to adhere in. No such thing. That's how we, you know, it's, existence is inseparable from objects that have it. It doesn't exist by itself. Look at it that way. Existence is not a quality that can exist by itself. It's an attribute. Well, of course it's an attribute, yeah. But existence is a quality that doesn't exist by itself. It always is found together with an object that it gives existence, you see. But God is pure existence, or existence per se, which is very interesting. That answers many, many questions, by the way. <clears throat> For instance, we say that God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. How does he do it? What makes him all-powerful? The answer is, because if you are existence itself, you could do anything. You are existence. You may be whatever you want. That's why he's all powerful. God is existence, so he can make exist whatever he wants. That's absolute power. That's called omnipotence, all powerful. If I can give existence to anything I want, doesn't that make me all powerful? Of course it does. It's the greatest power of all. To be in charge of existence is the greatest power of all. So it answers how God is omnipotent. It also answers how God is omniscient. He knows everything. Because whatever there is for him to know, why does he know it? Because he gave it existence. That's why he knows it. He keeps giving it to him. Yes, he maintains it also. But the reason why God knows everything is because there can't be anything that God doesn't know because if he doesn't know about it, it doesn't exist. So, of course he doesn't know about it because it doesn't exist. Oh, you see. So therefore, since God gave existence, then he knows about everything that he gives. Without him giving existence, it wouldn't exist. 
So therefore, there's no knowledge about that. So we see our God is omniscient, that he knows everything, because everything needs the existence of God to be. Therefore, he knows everything. In fact, how does God know, really, that I'm giving a shear now? How does he know that? Does he see it? No. His knowledge doesn't come because of observation. Because we are not external to him. The reason why God knows that I'm giving a shear and that you're all listening, hopefully. <laughs> or not. Or not. Is because we exist through him. He's here. He is us. We exist. We are in him. So God knows us because he knows himself. You see. God knows himself, so therefore he knows everything that he makes, which is part of him. So he doesn't see us. He knows that we exist because he's giving us existence, right? And we are sort of like emerged from him in that sense. That's why he's omniscient. So we're not a part of him? We are part of him, yes. So you said there's no parts in him? Yes, that is a difficulty, yes, yes. That would seem to be a difficulty. He has no parts, ultimately, yet we emerge from him. So does that mean we are a part of him? We'll see. Good question. But why don't you say there's no parts in his essence, but we are a creation? Why, why, why we are creations. That? Wait, so. Yeah. What was that? We are a manifestation of him. But even a manifestation is a part. It's true. But that would be considered a part. We are just part of his energy, as it were. Yeah, but still. Let's go, let's, again, let's go. So, what's so slow? So, therefore, we understand why he's omnipotent. We understand why he's omniscient. He knows everything. Why is God omnipresent? It means he's all over. It says, Moli Kolhots Kavoidoi. Right? That his honor fills the entire universe. Why? Because if there was a part that he was not there, right, it wouldn't exist. Because how could it exist be independent of God? The reason why God is all over is because wherever he's not doesn't exist. So if there's a, such a thing as all over, he has to be there in order to give it existence. You see? That's why God is more like which is really astounding when you think about that. Because the known universe is 13.7 billion light years. And the light year is 6 trillion miles. So the measure of distance, not time. So 6 trillion times 13.7 billion. That's the size of the, the known universe. The known universe. Now, that's pretty big. 13.7 billion times 6 trillion. That's phenomenal. So God is that size. Talk about the size of God. It has to be at least the size of the known universe. Because it emerges from him, you see. So without a, without a uh, being that, that, whose size is infinite, because he's got to encompass all of reality, you see. In fact, what's interesting, so what do we have? We, once in a while he's omnipotent, 
We understand why he's omniscient, why he's omnipresent. We all know, also understand why he's a boy How does God create? And the answer is, we can't create. We can only discover or invent. That's it. Because we have to take the materials that already exist and reshape them or find out about them. Right? We can form them. We can find out about them. You know, we can't make them. We can't give them existence. But if God is existence, then he can give them existence. So he can become a creator. Uh, the reason why the Muslim is a bure because he's in charge, <clears throat> so to speak, of existence. Creator of what? Of the rules of nature? Well, whatever he created. How does he... To create something means to create something out of nothing. Right. But right? Like, how many things are created out of nothing? Like two things, right? What two things? In the, the, mati- the, the material for the, for, for the world. Whatever, thing, yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. The, the smallest possible. Yeah. And the rules of, of nature. Well, yeah. But there are two categories. <clears throat> well, there are more categories. More but category yeah, yeah, yeah. But in any case, that's why God is a creator. A creator means to create from nothing, creation ex nihilo, it's called, right? But how do you pull it off? And the answer is because God gives existence, because he is existence, so in some way he just forms whatever he wants to be. That's why he can create. Only a being that is existence itself can create. We don't, we don't, we are not existence ourselves. We have existence, which is God. And therefore, we can't create. So that's why the Vashem is a bure. He's a creator, you see. And not only that, what's interesting also, if you ask yourself, is God part of reality? Interesting question. No, he created reality. Reality is a part of God. Which is interesting. Everything which is real, reality, He's not part of something called reality. Reality is part of him. He is reality, you see. And he decides what reality should be. What's the difference between existence and reality? Reality simply means that which is. So that is existence? Yeah. Yeah, so he is reality. He's not part of something bigger called reality. Reality is part of him, or he is reality. Yeah. Correct, exactly. Now what's interesting to that, okay, is that therefore God decides what reality is. There are certain laws of nature called the transcendental laws of being. Yeah, I spoke about this? Yeah. The transcendental laws of being, for instance, nothing can exist and not exist at the same instant in time. You, as they say, you either is or you ain't. It means either you exist or you don't exist, right? There's no between. There's no such thing as a between, to be or not to be. There is no such thing in between. That's one law of reality, okay? A second law of reality, okay, is that between existence and non-existence, There's no middle. There's no middle possibility. So first law of reality is called, first transcendental law of being is where you cannot exist and not exist at the same time, instant time. You either exist or you don't. 
you know, it's either one or the other. You cannot have both at the same instant. Which, by the way, is very important because one of the one of the most important things the way we reason is called contradiction. You know, if you have A and you have B, A can contradict B. Yeah, but what happens if A could be B? A could be B and at the same time that it's A. You wouldn't have a contradiction. You see, we reason based on the laws of reality, based on these transcendental laws of being. Because we know something can contradict because it cannot be itself and the other thing at the same time. It can't be itself and not itself at the same time. You see. And then between reality, between A and B, there's no such, between existence and non-existence, there's no middle. There's no middle ground. Who made these laws of being? God. So he could violate them. You find violations of these laws in the Torah. You see. So even the most fundamental laws of existence, called the transcendental laws of being, God made. How many laws are there? Three. What are the three? What? What are the three again? One is exist or non-exist. You, yeah, between, you cannot exist and non-exist at the same, at the same time. time. No between middle? existence and non-existence, no middle. And the third one, I think it's called law of identity, means A is A, and not A cannot be A and B at the same time. Why are they not all one? No, there are three different aspects of reality. You cannot exist and not exist at the same time. Between existence and non-existence, there's no middle. And A is always A. You cannot be A and A and B at the same instant in time. A is always A. You can't be A and B at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Be A and B at the same time. Yeah. So those are three laws which are called the transcendental laws of being. And we, we, and we exist by them. We think about them. But the question is, why? what made them? And the answer is God. A being that is its existence itself has determined the framework of existence. Because these are the rules that existence, our existence anyway, has to operate within. It has to conform to these three fundamental rules. Have I got that? Is that Elu Velu Divrei Elohim Chaim? Is that part of this? It could be seen that way, yes. Elu Velu Divrei Elohim Chaim, you know what I'm saying? Actually, Divrei means the words of the living God, right? He said both things. But this is even more fundamental. You know? Existence and its non-existence or it's something else, the middle, whatever. So the one who gave rise to this is God, even those laws. So therefore, God is not part of reality. Reality is part of God. Got it? So that's the ultimate concept of Pashat. Pashtusoy. Where do we see this, by the way? He himself not limited to these three rules. No, he no, he created these rules. It was he created these rules that existence must conform to for us. But he can violate them. Very interesting. Where do you see this? Because when Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Bursham by by the snare or the burning bush, what did Moshe Rabbeinu say? What's your name? What do they call you? So the Bursham said, Eh Yasha eh yeah. You know, I will be what I will be. Whatever. Okay, forget about the fact that it's the future tense, you know. But essentially what God said 
I am that I am. It means I am. Did God answer Moshe Rabbeinu? When Moshe Rabbeinu said, what do they call you? So Bonsham said, I am. Yes, of course he answered him. Because God is the am of the I. I am the am. No, I, I got that? No. No. <laughs> oh, I am. I am. So he said, I am the am. English has verbs to be. You don't have to have the Hebrew. Like when Hebrew you say, I'm walking, Ani Holech. Hebrew doesn't say, I am walking, because the Hebrew assumes that if you're walking, you probably exist. <laughs> See, English is not sure about that. <laughs> so English always has to have some aspect of the verb to be. Right? I am, what's am? I am more, I am am, means I exist, and I'm walking. That's it's part of the verb to be, you know? And so on. So, therefore, in that sense, God answers Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, I am. I am that I am. So, it sounds like, what kind of double talk is that? I am that I am. I didn't ask you, you are that you are. We know you are what you are. I asked you what they call you. So, the Rabbi says, I am. I am the aming. I am the verb itself. In fact, what's the name of God? Yud Kei Vav The word Yud Kei Vav which is the tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of God, comes from what verb? Liyois, to be. He was, he is, and he will be, right? And Yud Kei Vav the origin of that is the verb to be, Liyois, to be. Why would God take a name, right, that is a derivative, of the verb to be? And the answer is, that's essentially who he is. He's being itself. So therefore, what we come to is very interesting conclusions. The essence of God is existence. Pure, by itself, without having to adhere into an object and give it existence. In other words, the before he created the universe, existed. You see. Now we understand certain other ideas. Why is God one? Why is he an absolute one? You might said that. And we now understand. The reason why he's absolutely one is why? Is because there can only be one thing that's existence. There can be many things that have existence. And they have different essences. There could be two types of existence. Two types of existence? Yeah, why not? What type do you mean? I have no idea. I don't know what existence right? I don't know what type. So then there's no types. Existence simply means being. The quality of being. <coughs> you know, the, the only type of existence you can refer to is you either exist or you don't exist. But then non-existence isn't the type. Because there's no existence. I mean, no, there is existence in Buchnews, there is existence in Gashmus. No, no, you're making a mistake. Those are just two different essences. There's a spiritual being, they have a spiritual essence. And there's a physical being, that has a physical essence. That's all. But they're just two different types of beings. But in the quality called existence itself, there's only one thing called existence. And that's it. That's why God is absolutely one. Existence... A being that is existence itself can only be one. There cannot be two beings that are existence. 
existence is a creation. He created existence. Forget about that. You, you, you put that aside. That's later on. You're jumping where, and you have to build up to that. You gotta wait. Look, you, you have the benefit of having heard, you know, the Shia, so put that benefit aside. Got that? Everybody understand? That's why the Bershlam is absolutely one. Because there can be many beings, many essences, but a being whose essence is existence itself, there's only one, that's it. That's it. There's only existence and that's all. That which has existence can be many. There are many essences. So on. Spiritual beings, physical beings, whatever. Mental beings. But a being that is existence itself can only be one. So that also gives an understanding of why God is absolutely one. And the last feature of God is an interesting feature which Ramchal brings down. Was that? Isn't that always by definition? Someone, something being immortal is always an existence. Say that again. Anything that's not mortal is always an existence, no? Everything that's not mortal is what? It's by definition, an existence. No. No. A- angels are not mortal. And they don't. They I mean, angels are not. Are they, they don't not, die. Are they not existent? No, of course not. They're spiritual beings. Angels have existence, whatever their nature is, but it's a different type of uh, essence. Who to say that they're not mortal? What does mortal mean? Something that will cease to exist. I mean, angels will always be. There's no death by angels. Don't they, don't they become a new creation based on their sleepers? But they don't cease to exist. There's no death. There's no death by a malach. There's no death. No, no, but that, that mortality is the concept of death, right? Existence is another concept. Mortality is a feature of certain beings. They die. But not all beings die. Angels don't die. They always are. There was a time they didn't exist. That's true. Once they're born into existence, you know, Michal will always be. Is that based on the original answer? What I'm trying to ask is... I answer yes. Yeah, it is. I mean... Is there any number that we say that is high high for you? Is that in any way connected to these years I, I, you need to take the cup away so I can see what I'm you're sorry, saying. I, now say it. Is the animam that we say, Hayah in any way connected to the animam that we say that is Yuchus and Yuchus? Any way connected to which uh, uh, yeah, uh, Yuchus and Yuchus? Yuchus and Yuchus. Well, come sit down. Come to the table. Wait. When we say, you see, don't compare until you've defined the first. When we say Hayah what are we saying? Forget the comparison, because we don't even know what this is. What does that mean? What does it mean? Existence. No. What does that, what what does that statement mean? What is and will be. What does it mean? The essence. No, no, you're just saying the statement. I don't, what, what does it mean? What, give me the significance of that statement. Independent of time, probably. No. Oh, yeah. He himself is existence. No. No, no, you guys are fishing around. That's, what, that's exactly what my question is. No, no, no. What is Hoya Hoya the year? We know what it translates as. He was, he is, he will be. What does that say? Who? Athlete the fifth. What it says is that he always 
was, he always will be. That's called eternal. God is eternal. It means there was no time that he wasn't, and there was no there will be no time that he isn't. That's eternality. He's eternal. That's in no way connected to the to the to the Well but eternal simply means that God has an attribute of being eternal. Why is he eternal? Because existence is eternal, which is, a se- which is what I'm going to say, which is the next concept called Mukhacham We do not have to exist. We may or may not exist. There's nothing that makes us be. But one of the outstanding features of God, which Ramchal brings down and the Rambam brings down and so on, is called necessary being. Mukhacham He must be. In other words, God cannot commit suicide. It is not possible, that's, that's a rather dramatic way of saying it. You know, I don't know if that's good or bad. But anyway, you know. So it's in no way connected? It, well, I'm showing it is in a certain way. God cannot not exist. Just like there can be no second being like God, there cannot be an, an existence without God. He cannot not exist. Period. He absolutely must be. Absolutely. There's no choice in a certain sense. That's called Mukh Hametzias. Therefore, God is eternal. Because he must be, he's eternal. Because there can never be a time when he's not or when he will be not. You see? So, he is eternal. That's all that statement means. Isn't that by definition, if, if that be true... Yes, it is true. Then, uh, obviously it's true. Then, yeah, then, then, doesn't that by Hesach force him to be in existence? To be existence? Is, to be Yuchid Micha. You just said oh. Yuchid is only existence. Yes, that, that's what I want to say. The question, why is he Mucha And the answer is because he is existence. You see, a being that has existence, you can take it away, and it ceases to be. But what happens if you are existence? Where are you going to go? You can't wait. You, you can't wait, wait, You know, you can't take it out of him. That's him. You, where are you going to put it? You know what I'm saying? It was if you have two components, I can separate the components. You know, but if a being is existence itself, then it can't not exist. It is. And it cannot. It can't. A being that has existence cannot not exist. And there can be two of them. Well, that's another concept called absolute oneness, and there cannot be two of them. Because a being that has an essence, you can have many essences, spiritual beings, material beings, and so on, physical beings. But a being that is existence itself, you know what I'm saying? It's an absolute oneness. What? That he has to be or it means that... That he must be. No, he must exist. His non-existence is not possible. Why is that? Because he is existence. So it's, it's something which has existence, I can take it out, and the thing ceases to be. Remember, everything has two things in it. An essence, its major characteristics, and the fact that this essence has existence. So if I remove the existence from something, then its essence ceases to exist. But if the essence of something is existence itself, that's what it is, I can't take it away, that's it. Where am I going to put it? I can't separate that, you see? So therefore, the existence of God, right, must be, yeah. So in other words, if you have a being that has existence, but it's not 
Yes. And God and eternity is one of the same. Uh, well, eternity is a feature of a, a being that's exist, ex, that is existence itself. Although, remember one thing. I need to qualify that. If God makes you be, He can make you eternal. But there was a time you did not exist. You see, true eternal... True eternal means what? That you always were. We cl- even if God wants us to be forever, which He does, and that's the whole concept of Elam Habo, that we will exist forever. That's what Elam Habo is. Right? Elam Habo is a place that we exist forever. We, that means there will be no time that we cease to be for those who are Zoycha, merit Elam Habo, which is an incredible concept. It's beyond, you can think about that for all day long and just what, what that means, you know? And, you know, say that we for those who God chooses, will never cease to be. Never. Unbelievable. You know, and not only will we never cease to be, but the definition or the experience in Oyelim Habo is what? Infinite bliss eternally. That's what Oyelim Habo is. It's a place that has infinite bliss eternally. How do you desire that? Wait, so that would just be... But there was a time we did not exist. Right? So there was a time, so we're certainly not eternal in the sense that was what? That there was a time we didn't exist. God is truly eternal. means there was no time, so to speak, that he did not exist. Or, in other words, anyway. If we're Zephyr, we will be eternal. Yes. But God transcends time and we never live. We well, I'm not, forget about time. Not. You can exist eternally in time. Right. It just doesn't end. I'm not forgetting. I'm not saying whether God exists in time or not. That's not the issue. The issue is whether he exists in time or not, you go on forever. Even in time, you can go on forever. It just never ends. <coughs> but that's yeah. not the same being eternal, is not the same as transcending time. No. It's a different concept. They're subtle, but it's different. Being truly internal means always was. <laughs> Means there's no such thing as a time that you never were. That's the concept of being eternal. You know what I'm saying? Right. Time is that you are eternal in time. Right. Means you are subject to the whatever time is, the dimension called time. You are subject to that dimension. And you still could be eternal. But that they're two different concepts. We will be eternal, but we'll never transcend time because there was a time when we did not exist. Well that itself is really difficult. That's questionable. Will we be eternal because we are, do not exist in time anymore, or we still exist in time except it goes on forever? I, I, you know, uh, it's not clear what the answer is. But either way, you, you, you're eternal. Anyway, either, either way. Anyway, have I got that so far? Look how many questions are answered. Does eternal prove existence? Does eternal? No. No? No. It's just a feature of a being that's existence. So, I, mean, I, I never said it proved it. I, I'm not saying it, I'm asking. So something that we believe that was, is, and will forever be. Yes. Does that prove that that thing is something that is existence? No. Oh, oh, oh you mean, yes, that... You uh, can't have a turn into existence. Oh, you know, that's a good question. That's, that's, For something that... Right? I don't mean to make a play on words, but if, to me, I, what bothers me is that the two animals, to me, it almost seems repetitive. You said that anything that is existence, by definition, not something that 
is a being, but something that exists. Which two imams do you feel are repetitive? The one that we said, Imam, that is high, high the year. Which means he is eternal. Right? And will forever be. Okay. Put it another way, there was never a time that he did not exist. Which, which so, is past, so present. Right after that, Yochid Umiyuchid. Yochid Umiyuchid, yeah, that God is one. You just said that because but, he is, I am the am, that means that he's Yochid. It's not Shaykh to something else. So people. what I'm doing now is the Yochid part. I'm saying Yochid refers to his simplicity. Echid refers to the fact that he is one. Yochid refers to the fact that he's internally one. Internally one. He's simple. So what I've done then is saying, well, what about existence? So I've said that he's internally one, which means that he is identical with his existence. He is existence. And that will answer why he's eternal. It's not repetitive. It's just... No. It's just a no. No. Looking at a being. No. That would make it repetitive. Just no, no, no. A being... No, no. A, 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 a being that... Anything focusing on one. A being that is existence itself will have an attribute called eternal. One is an attribute, the other is a being, a nature of a being. Two different concepts. Yeah, that's a good question. If God always was, if God always was, does that mean... I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Aristotle. <coughs> Have you ever Aristotle? Okay. No. Yes. Okay. Well, not Aristotle. Aristotle. Aristotle and the, the Ramam fights him in Murnavukham. That's really one of the reasons why I wrote Murnavukham, is to counter Aristotle. Because everybody was adapting Aristotle's view. Aristotle held that there is a God. He held there was a God. He believed in God. But his God is an interesting God. It's different. His God, he says, always was eternal. And therefore the universe is really an outgrowth of this God. So the universe always was. And that's how he gets around the question of first cause. Aristotle, because the question is, well, who made God? Yeah, they, yeah they'll, they'll go back. Because we know that everything has a cause. This world, events in this reality, how are they arranged? Cause and effect. Everything that happens must have a cause. That's the way God arranged events. There's no such thing as an event that has no cause, even though it looks like there are. There are electrons that pop into existence and they immediately disappear. Now we don't know where they come from, where they go. We would see that they pop out of existence. That's not really true. They probably become pure energy. Electron is either pure energy creates the electron and goes back into pure energy. But it comes from something, but everything has a cause and effect. <clears throat> What's called a sibo and a masoibo. Okay? And that's how God arranged events. Was I answering? Uh, I deviated. How the two are now? No. Was I just... You said Aristotle also believed Oh, Aristotle, yeah. So Aristotle, in order to get away from the concept of first cause, said that God is eternal. He always was. And therefore the universe always was. And therefore there's no cause. There's no, there's no first cause. Okay. Now, Aristotle never said God is existence itself. He never said that. So it is possible, based on him, that something always was and is not as existence itself. Based on Aristotle. Right? 
So something can be eternal, which means always was, although we don't understand that, but we said always was. And something can be existence. And it does not have to be, and it does not have to be existence itself. What I'm saying is because there's a concept called Yochit, singular, that God is identical with his existence, and that explains why God is eternal. Aristotle didn't use that at all. That's all. You know what I'm saying? So one does not have to necessarily include the other to answer your question. Anyway, so therefore we now understand why the Bansham is Muchachamitsias. You should know which is one of the major features of God that both the Ramchal and the Rambam use. When they talk about the Bansham and his uniqueness, the major feature or attribute of God that they talk, right, about the Bansham is his Muchachamitsias, that he must be. His non-existence is not possible. It's absolute. What I'm trying to do is offer an explanation of that. Why? Why can't it not exist? Why? And it's one thing to say that God always was, but to tell me that there could be a time that it's impossible for it not to be? See, Aristotle doesn't say that. Aristotle just say he always was. But Aristotle does not say that he did not, that he must be. Must be is different than he always was. Always was a simple fact. There was never a time that he did not exist. That's all. However, must be is a different concept. Must be that the reason why he always was is because he can't, there cannot be a time that he isn't. It's a different concept. And what I'm trying to explain that concept with a concept of that he's existence itself and existence must be. Where's it going to go? You see what I'm saying? The reason why different concepts. Anyway. The reason why he's very, very is because he's a... Because he is... No, you're saying no. I, I'm using that as an... The reason why he must be, is that what you said? The reason why he's very, very is the reason why no. he must be. No, you see, I'm separating the concept of being eternal from must be. Aristotle says that the universe or the God is eternal. That means that he... I, means he always he was. was. But the question was... It happened to be, he always was. He always but who was. says he can't not be? He always was means he is eternal or means he, he is He always was means eternal. Means he, means he eternally was. Doesn't mean that he is eternal. He always was. There was never a time that he wasn't, that he did not exist. But that doesn't mean that he can't exist. It just means that somehow he always was. So but does that mean he, he can't not be? Doesn't know. What I'm saying is that Mukhakamatsiyas is greater then eternal. But one second, it doesn't just say also, it also doesn't just say that, that he always was, no. it says that he always will be too. Uh, uh, no, Hoya Hoya simply says that he always was. And he always is and he always will be. He yes, is. but that doesn't mean he can't be. Maybe he can't be. It just happens to be that he always was. Hmm. Then it, it doesn't imply that the negative cannot be true. So why is you understand that there's a difference. It, what was that? Why is it that he's high Why is he... So they don't explain. Aristotle doesn't have an explanation for that. And you're explaining that by saying that. I'm trying to explain it. That once we understand that he is existence, then we understand that not only is he eternal, but he must be eternal. That means that... His non-existence is not possible. So he must be eternal. What's that? Which is the... Which is the... Which is the... Right? Yochid. 
Correct. That's what, what I'm offering. What's see, but you see the difference. Well, what's that, you can have one without the other, and that's what Aristotle does. What's but Mukhachamitsi is much greater than that. Means his non-existence is not possible. Therefore, he's eternal. What prevented Aristotle from saying Yes, What prevented Aristotle from doing what? From from staying there. I mean, he's, he was starting with a question of, of, of you know first cause. First cause. As far as existence, he had no problems. No, as far as eternal existence, he had no problems. Not, not, God always wants, that's all. No, no, I'm saying, no, as far as him being existence itself. He never said that. Yeah. Aristotle does not talk about the nature of God, as far as I know. I'm saying there was nothing that, that bothered him. That he had to... I don't know what bothered him, you know. I have something no that idea what bothered him. <laughs> something that doesn't need a cause, or if that, that exists. Always why, was, so it doesn't need a cause. Why should I assume we'll cease to exist? Why should it cease? It won't cease. Just the Aristotle to life as that he always was, but it wasn't a hashtag that he always has to be. I don't understand what you're saying. You're what I'm saying is that the concept of eternal is different than the concept of Hechachamitzias. Right? The concept of eternal is different than the concept of must be. The special is different. Yeah, they're different ideas. Something can always be, it just happens to be that he always was. But who says that his non-existence is impossible? Maybe it's possible, except he lucked out. He always was, that's all. We don't know why he always was, but he lucked out. Really? He doesn't go into how. Why he just that? says that, that God is eternal, and therefore the world is eternal. Anyway. He didn't have to be created. Isn't that by I thought. I don't know. I know where you're at. I thought I answered that, so, you know. There's something that always was, but nothing made it. When the, let me finish the year, okay? Or else. Uh, anyway, the, it's awfully so far, but I got it. The concept of eternal is a different concept than can he not exist? And we're saying that God cannot, group of ideas that we know is true of God with a true principle of why that's true. That his existence itself. And I'm also showing you when the Mershim says, eh, yeah, I am. And why Yudke Vovke is his name. Because that verb to be means that's who I am. I'm being itself. You see. Anyway, there's all the ideas of this. So that's a second concept. Echod and then Yochod. But we also say that God is a Miyuchod. That God is a Miyuchod. Unique. What does it mean that God is unique? We know that God is the only one. There is no other God. We also know, that's Echod, we also know Yochod, that he is a singularity in the sense that he's internally one. No parts, not indivisible, is identical with his attributes, his existence is per, per se, and if he has a whole bunch of attributes that follow from that principle. We know that too. But there's something about the Bonsham which is unique. Where do we see this? Moshe Rabbeinu, what was the major Gilui at Har Sinai? A lot of things that were revealed at Har Sinai by Matan Torah. What was the 
essential revelation. You have been shown that you may know that God is the Lord, which means He's the Master. He's the absolute controller. Besides God, there's nothing else. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't say there's nobody like Him, which is true. But it says Milvadoi, besides him, Enoi, there's nothing else. <coughs> and what the Moshim is showing Moshe Rabbeinu and Klai's world is that you guys don't exist. You guys don't exist, really. I'm the only one that exists. I'm the only one that exists. Milvadoi, besides him, Enoi, there's nothing else. That means God is the only one that exists. Now that's interesting. How's that possible? God is the only thing that exists, which tells us maybe that the reason why God is the only thing that exists is because He's existence. So to be, to exist, you need to be it. If you are given it, you're not, you don't exist anyway, even after you're given it. That's a very interesting concept. Now, of course, that's like, what? I mean, then why are you talking to me? What I don't exist. So like, who in the world is even talking to you if I don't exist? What I mean, obviously presents a lot of strange ideas here, you know? But uh, it doesn't make a difference. Don't we exist by virtue of Yisrael, Varaisa, No, 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 no. Don't even talk about that. That's later on. I'm, I'm, I'm much more, I'm much earlier in the ideas, you know? Remember, it says, Milvadoi doesn't say Enoi Kamoihu. And Rab Chaim Velozhin, the Nefesh Chaim says, Mamish, literally. On Enoid Mavadoi, Mamish. The only thing that exists is God. Nothing else exists. And the reason why God is the only thing that exists is because He is existence per se. But if He has to give existence to something else, namely everything else, Zorosoi, right, besides Him, they don't really exist. So then the question is, what in the world's going on here? So the best way I can explain is a mushroom. Uh, this is the mushroom. A guy's on a couch, and he's sleeping, taking a nap. And all of a sudden he dreams. There's a table, and there's two guys talking to each other. And they're having coffee. And one guy says to the other guy, you know, they're talking. And one guy says to the other guy, remember, it's in the dream. One guy says to the other guy, you know, we don't really exist. So the other guy says to him, you know, what are you talking about, crazy? We're talking to each other. He says, no, you understand what I'm saying. We exist relative to ourselves, whatever that is. But relative to the guy sleeping on the couch, he is, we don't exist. We're only a mental representation of his mind. We don't exist like the guy who's sleeping. Not only that, if he woke up, we'd instantly evaporate. And even while he's sleeping, we don't exist like him. He is. We do not exist. But in some capacity, relative to ourselves, we exist. That's really what it's all about. We, don't, we, we cannot penetrate the concept of our non-existence. Obviously, we can't. So we exist relative to ourselves. But relative to him, to God, we don't exist at all. In fact, in, I think it's in Micha, where the Russian says, Vanilo Shanisi. 
I have never changed. What? What do you mean you've never changed? There's you before the creation, and then there's you after the creation. Right? That means you also changed before that, before the creation you were not a boy ray, and after the creation you're a boy ray. So you've changed. No. Clapy the true Mitzius of the Virgin, nothing exists but him. God has never changed. However, relative to ourselves, there's an entire Bria. Now, we cannot penetrate that. We cannot penetrate the meaning, the nature of our non-existence. We cannot penetrate the nature of the universe which non-exists. And we cannot penetrate who he is, who really is. We can't. We can never know those things. You see. But in the end, that's what he told Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's what he told the Bria, the Kai Yisrael. You guys understand, you guys don't exist really. In some way, you think you exist. It's almost like we're beings that think we exist. You see. Now, if somebody's going to say, well, if I don't exist and nothing else exists, so why can't I sit on the highway? Because there's no me, there's no trucks. There's no cars on the highway. Oh, it's because the answer is, right? Because a relative non-existent object will destroy a relative non-existent object. Exactly. That non-existent truck will kill the non-existent person. You see, so... Uh, yeah, uh, so you can't do that kind of stuff, you see. But if you really think about it, I mean, there's a lot, you, this has tremendous philosophical ramifications, you see. For instance, you, all of you, you're sitting here looking at me, right? You don't really know if I exist. How would you know? You only know that your brain registers something coming into your eyes. That's all you know. What do we know? We don't know really what's out there. I mean, I see color, like this table is one, sort of like reddish. You don't know, I don't know if you and I are looking at the same color. You see, we don't, nobody knows. I, because my reality is subjective. I see a color, but I have no idea what your experience of reality is. We think we see the same reality, right? But what, this color that I see, this is nothing more than an image in the brain. That's all it is. My brain forms an image based on the frequency of light that bounces off this because of the light bulb. There's a light bounces off this, comes out as a certain frequency, hits my eyes, hits my retina, into the optic nerve, and goes into the brain, the area of the brain, right? And all of a sudden, I see color. There's no such thing as color, really. You see? So you and I don't even know if we're looking at the same thing, really. So our whole, na our whole observation of reality is purely subjective, you see. We don't even know if we see the same reality. Not only that, what's even worse is we don't even know if we, anything is out there. You see, all you know about me is I'm talking and I have a sound wave that impinges on your ear. And the brain interprets that sound wave, you see. But we don't know if there's really a sound wave here. Maybe God has a sound wave here and God is making all the things outside of you that's impinging on your brain and your brain is interpreting all reality. Everything you see or hear or sense is nothing more than the brain's representation of what's out there. That's all it is. You 
thought you guys had a handle on reality? We don't even know what's out there. All, everything you see, think, experience, is nothing more than the brain's representation that he gives to you, the ego. You know, you know what it's like? It's like looking on a screen, and you, your whole sense of the world is by, based on that screen, that TV screen. But you don't know what's feeding the screen. You see, what's feeding the screen may be real, or it may be something else making up a reality that goes immediately to the, into the TV screen. And that's what you interpret. Therefore, what's interesting is maybe there is no such thing as reality, really. What the Russian does is he creates reality that impinges on your brain and your weight, and your brain interprets everything. It's interesting. Your entire exposure and experiencing reality is nothing more than a mental image. It's a brain image. That's it. Do not think what you really see is really exactly out there. We don't know. None of us know if we see the same reality. None of us know if there's even any reality out there. Because in the end, the only one that tells me anything about what I see and so on is my brain. You see, that's how elusive reality really is. So we don't really know. Maybe all the Rabbanu did is he created selves, neshamas. That's all he created. And to each neshama, right, he has what's called an instrument that represents reality, of which he creates around the neshama. And all the neshama does, it looks at different realities that God creates and impinges on the instrument that the neshama looks into. That's the reader or the viewer. You don't know. Maybe it's only one neshama. I just want to show you how well. Or yours. Well, you know, even that. Maybe, maybe I'm really you, and you're me, and we think we're separate. Well, who knows? We don't. We don't even have a handle on this stuff. You know, I don't want to get too carried away by this. You know, and you know, because some of you say, well, if you and I, and if I'm you and you, me, then maybe you give me, I have access to your bank account. I mean, we, we, we could really carry this a long way, so, you know. What? Yeah. Oh, we are. Are you saying that God is the ultimate projectionist and our brains are the screen? What I'm saying is that if he was, you'd never know it. You'd never know it. God is the ultimate he could be. Well, he certainly is the ultimate projectionist, yes. Because he creates everything. But I'm saying he may not even create a reality that is real. It may be just mental or brain inter interpretations. You know, sensory input. That's all it is. But he creates the reality which is represented on the instrument called the brain. And the ego sees that. I don't get too complex there. But I'm just saying... Interesting conjectures. Anyway, so that's what Ein Oid Mavade means. That's the concept of Miyuchad. So we've gone through three different ideas about God. Look how complex one this is. He's an Echad. There is no other being absolutely like God. He's a Yochid. He's singular. He's posh, simple. He has no parts. He is indivisible. His actions and his attributes are identical to him and his existence per se, which gives rise to all the attributes. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's a creator. 
okay, he's Mukhachamatsiyas, he's eternal, and so on. All these ideas are explained by the fact that he is. And the last idea is Yuchod, he's unique. Why is he unique? Because he's the only one that exists, really, in the end. And we, in some way, is a dream in his mind, so to speak. But as far as we're concerned, we have a reality. But what I'm saying now is that even that reality may be pure representational. We'll never know. Because you cannot enter my brain to see what I need. see. There's no way that you can enter my imagery of the world just like I cannot enter your brain. So we don't even know if we see the same reality. Not only that, we don't, we don't even know if there is a reality out there, really. Because the brain interprets everything and tells my ego, whoever the self is, this is what, I, what, what I'm... This is, the brain is a conveyance device. It conveys a sense of reality. And that's it. But we have no idea what's out there that the brain is receiving. So believing in Eloi means that I'm not out there. Say that again? Believing Eloi Movada is because I'm not out there. And the only reason why I don't say I'm not out there. No, not you're not out there. Because you don't, Eloi Movada, because you are not existence. That means that I'm not part of reality. Yeah, I know what you mean, I'm not out there. What does that mean? You just said that this, 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 this philosophical... Oh, you mean that, that? that? That's what it means, that I'm not out there. I'm purely a representation that's hitting my afterbirth that goes onto my brain. Maybe. Maybe. I didn't say vadai. I have no idea. But when I believe Eloi Mavadai, I have to believe vadai. That means that I believe... When you believe... Wait, 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 wait. No, no, I don't know what you're saying. When you believe what? When I believe I'm Eloi Mavadai... Yes. It's not so that maybe I'm not out there. I have to believe that I'm the end is not out there. You are not out, exactly. So In real terms, so you're not, not out there. So it's not a subject, I mean. Yes. So when I believe I'm Eloi Mavadai... Compared to God, you are not out there. Compared to God, we are not out there at all. There is nothing else but Him. And Valuna Shanisi, God has never changed. So how do you have a suffix episode? What was that? How do you have a suffix episode whether you're out there or not? My suffix is the relative world He created. Relatively speaking, ah, so are we out there or not? No, the relative to Him, we don't exist. Relative to ourselves, even then is a Shaila. Is there anything out there or not? Got it? It is on you. So, you understand what I'm saying? We own the image in your mind. Don't give me a box of pizza because I really don't care. <laughs> so, we don't know if reality is nothing more. So, we don't really know. We don't really know. Is, is the whole universe nothing more than a bunch of projections, you know, imagery and so on? Or there's a relative existence that more concrete than the relative images? We don't know. The question that I want to leave everybody, which I want to deal with next week. Is there something beyond that God is? That is the question. More than Echod Yochanim Yuchot. I mean, we, we, it seems like we've already hit bottom. That God is the only thing that exists. There's really nothing else besides Him. That would seem to be the greatest understanding we have of God's nature, which really says that we don't really know His nature, except the fact that He's existence. But the question is, is there a more profound understanding of God? The answer there is, there is one more level that if you think you've been blown away by this, you've got to hear the next level. And the next level is the last level, and it's the greatest understanding of God. Okay? And, uh, and you know, that, that'll, that'll give you a handle. And once you have that understanding, you begin to understand, you know, who you're dealing with, really, and so on.
and uh, what really what reality really comes to be, and so on. You know. So next week uh, we'll talk about the last phase uh, of reality of God, and so on. You know. And uh, after that, I'm going to Eretz Yisrael. I'll be back in the end of February. So there's a break for about eight weeks. Because it's going to take you at least eight weeks to get over this year <laughs> and the next year. Till you straighten yourself out. <laughs> it's a hit and run. Well, from a motor vehicle perspective, maybe that's what you'd call it. A hit and run, yeah. Hmm? This is sort of like... Star Trek, if you ever seen on Star Trek, there's something yeah. called a holodeck. Yeah. Things that existed on the holodeck, at the end of the show, they said, end program, it stopped. Yeah. So then they asked themselves, maybe we're all just one big program. Okay, so we will do what we have to do when I come back. Yes, yes, yes. We'll do the whole thing. That'd be actually fabulous. And you say you can clean it up? Yeah. The tape, I'll give you the tapes. Yeah. Great, that would be fabulous. You'll be here next week, so Shabbos. So next week, so Shabbos. Shabbos. Next week. 9.30, and then we take a break. Is that still on? Yeah. Off? Yeah.